You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, by the simple act of reading the text of Leviticus chapter 26 aloud, Father Paul demonstrates the extreme poverty of Judeo-Christianism, its frailty, what this means for the widow and the orphan, and painfully what the subject of all his verbs has in store for those who do not heed his words. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Okay, we still have two chapters of Leviticus, and chapter 26, which is going to be repeated in Deuteronomy We have the ending of the book stressing the blessings and the curses. And both originate in God and with God. He blesses and he curses. I know the second part is not liked by most of us, but that is the reality of the matter in Scripture. Okay, there is one God, one judge, and he issues the verdict. And we need to hear this, especially those who are of the Judeo-Christian conviction, who always think that only the blessings are addressed to them and the curses are addressed on the others. De facto, de facto, and let's not play games regarding this matter. And the importance of this is reflected in the first verses, verses 1 and 2, that introduce the blessing and the curses. Let's hear them. You shall make for yourselves no idols and erect no graven image or pillar, including the icons for the Orthodox. And you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to them, for I am the Lord your God. Notice the powerful introduction, a reminder that God is the only agent and the source of all that happens to us. Verse 2. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. That has to be built according to the directives of God. And we stressed enough the fact that it is ultimately the tent of the testimony. Okay, there are no stones. The stone building starts with Solomon. And this was so well known that even the great Justinian, after having finished building his 
Aya Sophia said, I beat you, O Solomon, or thus the story goes. Whether he said it or the writer said it on his behalf, the message is very clear that Solomon is the builder of the temple and not God. And after that, we have blessings and curses, and both of them start with the conditional. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season and the rest of the matter. Now the second part, the curses, starts again with the if. The Hebrew has and if you will not hearken unto me, but the English makes it but, it works either way. If you will not hearken to me and will not do all these commandments. So it's not just knowing by heart the commandments as we love to do in Sunday school. We have the children remembering by heart the Ten Commandments. That's not impressive. The whole thing is that you do them. Whether you know them by heart or not, it does not matter, as Paul explains in Romans. You have to do them. And... I'll move to the curses because I would like to underscore a few things that are very important for us to remember. Verse 21, I shall pick a few verses. Then if you walk contrary to me and will not hearken to me, I will bring more plagues upon you sevenfold as many as your sins. Okay, that's verse 21. Perhaps it will be nice to put it on the posts of the doorposts throughout your house to remember. And I will let loose the wild beasts among you which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, so that your ways shall become desolate. Notice 23, that's the famous doubling down. And if by this discipline you are not turned to me, you do not return to me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you, and I myself will smite you sevenfold for your sins. At the end of Isaiah, a text I referred to, but let's bring it again here, where God says, and I shall be their enemy. Okay, we need to hear these things, which practically you do not hear in our churches across the board. You don't hear that. You hear them in passing, but then, you know, you have the stress on the blessings that are already there and everything is fine with the millions on top of the millions.
26. When I break your staff of bread, very interesting. You have the combination of the staff and the bread. Ten women shall bake your bread in one oven and shall deliver your bread again by weight and you shall eat and not be satisfied. One more time, tripling down, and if in spite of this you will not hearken to me but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in fury and chastise you myself sevenfold for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters you shall eat. That's extreme, friends. And remember, I did not write that. I'm just reading it aloud into your ears. Verse 30, And I will destroy your high places. That verb, which is the hefeil of shamad, it's hishmid, it is the same verb that we hear in Genesis 34, 30, when Jacob criticizes his children for having slaughtered the Shechemites after they have circumcised them in order to bless the wedding of their sister to them, they slaughtered them, which means they broke the covenant of circumcision. And Jacob tell them that I shall be destroyed myself with my house. So he really chastened his children. That is the same verb that is used here on the part of God himself. I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars and cast your dead bodies, carcasses if you like, upon the dead bodies of your idols. Beautiful text. The dead bodies of your idols. Unbelievable. That's verse 30 of chapter 26 of Leviticus. And I will lay your cities waste and will make your sanctuaries desolate and I will not smell your pleasing odors which is from the verb nuah which is the same root as the name Noah. Remember when God accepted the pleasing odor of his sacrifice and what God says he is here parallels what he says in Isaiah 1 that I shall not accept the odors of your sacrifices they stink although they do them according to the rule but they stink because they do not take care of the widow and the orphan and the poor needy neighbor. And I will devastate the land. Notice the subject of all these verbs. It is God himself. 
and directly, not via someone else. In the prophets we hear sometimes that he will send enemies to destroy his people. But here it is a direct statement. It is an action of God himself. And I will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be astonished at it. Okay, it's high time that we start communicating this to our parishioners and not say, well, if you do good things, God is going to be nice to you. May he be praised forever. Amen. And I can't stand this tradition that started somewhere in the Slavic lands, Ukraine or Russia. People come the priest says, Christ is among us. Indeed he is. You don't need to do that. You don't know if he is amongst you or not. Leave it to him to decide. Just start communicating his teaching. And I will devastate the land in a way that even your enemies are going to be astonished that a deity punishes to that extreme its own people. And I will scatter you among the nations, famous statement, because you want to be like them. You remember in 1 Samuel 8, when the people wanted a king like the other nations. They want to be like the other nations. And I will scatter you among the nations, and I will unsheath the sword after you, and your land shall be a desolation, and your cities shall be a waste. And notice this majestic verse 34, Then the land, which is the earth, shall enjoy its Sabbaths, so long as it lies desolate. Beauty! Beauty! I challenge any one of you to say this from the pulpit or in your Sunday school or in your so-called spiritual retreats. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.